Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 11, Episode 6, titled On the Inside. Uh, we're doing the feedback episode this week, so I guess I'll turn it over to Aaron and see what the crowd has to say. Yeah, once again, if you'd like to send us some feedback, it's easy. Watchingdeadatbaldmove.com. Uh, it's, it's the only place. The only place. You can try DMing me on Twitter. You can try sending into uh, West Westworld at baldmove.com. You can try sending it to the. And it's it's not, it's it's going to not not uh, not get to where it needs to go. Watching dead at baldmove.com. What if Greg Nicotero were to like call you on your phone and say, "I have some feedback for the podcast." I wouldn't pick it up. Shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't want to hurt his feelings. Yeah. Fair. Uh, Let's start up. Steve, Steve, Steve uh, d- did the did the right one and said, I think the Walking Dead writers try hard to make their main characters relatable to the audience. This is about the uh, uh, the, the zombie killing. Sometimes we have a problem with on the Walking Dead. One of the reasons we see characters pull out a hidden knife and use it to kill zombies is most audience members don't go around with machetes or even spears. Something people in the zombie apocalypse be inclined to do once they run out of bullets. If everyone looked like folks from the kingdom festooned with makeshift arms and armors. They'd be harder to relate to. I mean, okay. So The Walking Dead can show pits for catching zombies, spike zombie traps, alarmed clock diversions, etc. Every once in a while, but having every good idea for dealing with zombies and life in the zombie apocalypse shown all the time would make the setting and characters further from the reality of the audience. Why are the characters starving? Because there's no MREs or deer left. Because most people in the audience don't know which wild plants are edible. I know um, fish are edible. I, I know they have a coast nearby. It's true. That's true. That's what I keep coming back to. Yeah. I mean, I I think this is this is a decent apology for the show, but like, I don't know. Like, relatability is not about the gadgets and stuff you use. You know, like, uh, not everybody goes strapped with great swords, but people really related to the characters of the of, of the Game of Thrones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you you know, this is the eleventh season of the show. We've had a time jump. I feel like it's more relatable for people to be come up with clever solutions and do them all the time. I, I, I don't know. Like, you know, throwing an alarm clock didn't feel like a novelty. It felt like something that they a, a, a technology they developed, right? You know? It's like what if yeah. they use wagons one episode and then they don't ever use them again because well, we don't people don't ride wagons, that's not related. I, I I don't know. I, I feel like uh I relate to people who are smart and resourceful and try to do the things they need to do to survive. And uh, when like three episodes ago, they did something really clever that would have gotten them out of the pinch here. I feel like, ah, you know, why didn't they do that again? So 
Yeah. I guess it's to each their own, though. I think that, you know, that excuse kind of works inside of the cities like Alexandria or the Commonwealth or something. Yeah, those people probably wouldn't be rolling around with machetes all the time. But you go outside, uh, like, be prepped for the situation, right? You know? Yeah. (laughs) You're going to have to meet up with some walkers eventually. You want to take some hidden weapons and stuff like that with you. And I also, I thought the idea was like, Everyone here in Alexandria knows exactly what wild plants there are to eat because like that we, we see Carol like going out and foraging and like the pickings are kind of slim. I, I really feel like they have just exhausted mm-hmm. even the ocean, uh, all of the food supply and like, a, you know, a, yeah. a, 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 whatever radius that would be convenient to get to on horseback or whatnot. It's, so. it's those fear the walking dead people, right? They still have the boat. Is, is that a thing? They're out there like fishing all the fish up. They the are. Ocean. They are. They are. They're just using just 15 mile long drag nets and doing the whole eastern seaboard. <laughs> I haven't seen that show since season one. I assume they don't still have the boat, but who knows? Yeah, no. Season three was his most dangerous catch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> guy guy had a heart attack. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, let's move on to Scott. In the show, it's explicitly stated by Stephanie to Eugene over the radio that the Commonwealth is in Charleston, West Virginia. Charleston is a pretty small city. You can easily walk from one side to the city and the other in less than two hours. Its current population is 48,000. So if Midwestern survivors slowly uh, migrated there over the course of 10-ish years, a population of 50,000 seems pretty reasonable. Obviously, The Walking Dead isn't going to depict that properly because the purse strings are pulled tight. So I wouldn't take the 50,000 population count claim as a deception until further evidence is presented. Yeah, uh, the Midwestern. I guess he's talking about our group because uh, I'm like, why would the, why would Midwestern people come to Charleston? Uh, that's like not Midwestern at all. But I think he's talking about just like our group coming from Kentucky and and whatnot. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I just think it's like it's it's uh it's me keeping my my mind open um, because fifty thousand is a lot of people, and I feel like they probably didn't take over all of Charleston, right? Like they didn't wall the whole damn city in. So like, it's all about density, you know, that's what I keep coming back to. It's like, it's more efficient to keep people densely, densely packed in, especially if you've got sewers and running water and you're doing food service delivery and goods and services and all that kind of stuff. There's a reason in real life, everybody's cities up, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. So Brian from Maryland, I said, I forgot that you haven't seen the world beyond. I watched via, uh, Let's see. I watched via recaps on YouTube. I burned through the entire season in less than 30 minutes. Seems like that'd be the way Mm. to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Drop me a link to that. I might check it out. Uh, The Civic Republic military is a faction that owns the helicopters with the three circles that Rick or that took in Rick Grimes. They're another huge civilization with electricity and what appears to be a normal functioning civilization. Seeing these two clash would be interesting. Hmm. Uh, Yeah. I wonder. If I don't think that we will get to that in this show, but it seems like maybe World Beyond, maybe World Beyond exists to eventually have some conflict like that, like a big civil war. Yeah, like like I mean, the name kind of implies it, right? The Civic Republic military. No, no, World Beyond. (laughs) Uh, Just like being beyond the the walkers, beyond the Walking Dead. Uh, Yeah, I get the feeling that like there's some important information in there that we have not been privy to. Um, I don't think that's going to make me watch it, but yeah, I might check out a, a short video on it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 um, I do try to do as much. I guess the thing. It's like if I knew that was, if I knew knew something like that was available, I'd probably watch it. Because why not? It makes makes uh makes the podcast better. But like watching a whole season of World Beyond, fuck no. Or Fear the Walking Dead. I yeah. I would have like what are they on four or five now? I'm like I stopped watching in like early on in season two. So, but I would like to see a clash. I mean, that's something they could, I don't know how long AMC plans on keeping this irrelevant um, franchise, how long they're going to keep it going, but that as might long be, as it makes money. A, exactly. That might be a way to have like a big bang at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but to what end? Like one side or the other, or is, is it like a Pyrrhic a a a victory? Um, they wipe each other out? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Or it's, I mean, the victory, the true victory there would be to push a bunch of Walking Dead viewers over to World Beyond. That would be the true victory. Yeah. Yeah. From an AMC standpoint. Mm. Steve writes in, hey guys, I wish I found you guys sooner, but I only started listening this uh, season. Loving your commentary about the show. Well, hey, you know, it's never too late. Yeah. Except for the 25th episode of season 11, (laughs) because then it'll be too late. Yeah, you got like a whole year. We're we're good. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna they're gonna stretch this out. That's mm-hmm. uh, we we got lots of time to get to know each other. I uh, just want to say really quick, if you're calling episode four when Pope burned Bossy in the fire uh, at the end, the timeline matches to when Negan saw Judas on the cross. Episode three follows Maggie and Negan right after the attack in the woods and ended with Judas. Episode four followed Daryl and the Reapers right after the attack in the woods and ended with who became Judas. Yeah, Bossy equals Judas makes sense since Bossy turned his back to his brother. Hope this helps with Judas theory. Uh, keep up the great work. It does. I, I think you guys have cracked the case. I'm the only reason <laughs> yeah. I'm re- the, o- the only reason I'm resisting is because to my mind, that's not a Judas. Not even if you understand it the way Pope does, mm-hmm. like, you know, turning your back and running because you're afraid. That's a Peter. That's actually a legit <laughs> Peter move. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the, the, the rock on which Christ built his church, Peter and mm-hmm. the rest of the, they all fucking flew and, and, and turned coward, denied Christ, all that kind of stuff. Betray, like if he had led his guy brother into Maggie's group to have him killed for, I don't know, 30 pieces of silver or so, that would be a Judas move. Mm-hmm. I feel like this guy knows his Bible, but he's also fucking crazy. So sure. Who knows? Um. But you're right. Like the timeline does the the fact that they kind of rewound everything and they explicitly did that. Like the the way the two shows, the two episodes open was identical just so we would make that connection. So, yeah, I think I think that's the unless we see anything else, that's case closed. Uh, Moving on to Nicole B. I spend most of the episode or each episode asking out loud, who is this random person the camera wants me to know? Or how is Maggie and her injured crew able to sneak out of a house in broad daylight when there are three or more Reapers scouting the neighborhood? Why bring three extras? It makes Reapers look stupid for missing four stumbling adults hiding behind a fern. But I did manage to catch a couple of points to help put the story together a little bit more. It's uh, it's not a periscope or compact. Do you remember the mysterious object that the camera lingered on the ground? Yeah. Uh, we got many, many, many pieces of feedback to this to, to this uh, to this point, but it's a mailbox for the horror house. The game of the show, Connie and Virgil ran out of the dirt road and looked both ways. The mailbox implied a house was hidden behind those trees. The other side was empty road. Virgil pulled her toward the house and then the mailbox is knocked down. It was all pointless, of course, because Kelly was able to be standing right outside the house as Connie and Virgil bust out at the perfect time. 
Also, the opening credits show Virgil hiding on a horse. When he finds Connie, hints the dead horse at the campsite. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I think Leah was referring to. I mean, so yeah, this. Yeah, it's it's definitely a mailbox, and that's exactly what it was. It was just to like you're looking at a fork in the road. Which fork you go down? The one's got the house on it because that implies shelter. So again, I, I appreciate the 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 Walking Dead for or the Walking Dead feedback for being the Bloodhound Gang and kind of solving all these mysteries for us. Um. I think Leah was referring to Pope burning down her love cabin when they found her after Daryl left her and not when they locked her in with Daryl after his fire baptism. It's impossible to know that would require cohesive character building. Wait a second. I was pretty sure the fire was the fire that we saw. And also the love cabin was intact, right? Because Daryl and Carol stayed there. Yeah. I had that and you know, pretty sure. (laughs) Yeah. You can't stay in a burned down building, but Am I creating another mystery that's like open and shut here? No, no. Okay. I, th- I, I think, like, I I think feel, the yeah. cabin, the cabin is the Judas and the guy who was burned is Casey Jones, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Boston robs the mailbox. Uh, <laughs> lastly, Frost sucks. I thought the whole torture scene with Daryl repeating, give us a location, man. was Daryl's attempt to end the torture by hinting Frost uh, to hinting uh, Frost. Just name somebody somewhere, anywhere. The Reapers could go to lead them away from Maggie and not directly to her. He couldn't just say they are hiding in the subway or there's a military hangar there raiding. Sorry, Frost. You kind of deserve a chop finger for not listening to the words coming out of Daryl's mouth and making him throw his precious vest to the ground, dirt ground in frustration. Um... Yeah, I, I, I actually got the idea that, that Daryl saying it's OK, I'm, I'm going to make everything OK. But you're mm-hmm. right. This is a much saner plan. Uh, if you know that they're going to come back empty handed, unless Daryl, I guess, can massacre all these guys in, uh, you know, single handedly, then you would want to lead them far away from Maggie's group because the end result is you're going to come back and the people are going to say there's no one there. Although I guess there's a because because they, what, what they actually came back is they're like they aren't there, but they were, mm-hmm. which. But I mean, I don't know, because like there's there, I don't think there's anything Frost can do or say to walk out of that place upright. I think you're right. Uh, so, but it's worth a shot. Like, like I said, if, if there's nothing you can do, then try what you can. And, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But yeah, yeah, I guess I guess. Um, all right. Uh, let's take a quick break here real quick, and then we'll get into the second half of the mailbag. Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, Jim, uh, continuing the mailbag, we had uh, 
we had some questions about the house and the construction and and razor blade slots. And uh, again, okay. several people came in with per- firsthand experience in this. I'm going to read the two most relevant emails. Oh, tell Josh me they L just says, fill up the walls. Just I, I hope they just fill the walls with razor blades. Oh, boy. You, you, are, are you sitting down? Are you holding on to your mm-hmm. butt? Oh, Both yeah. hands. Josh L says, I remodel homes a lot. And almost invariably, when I remove an old medicine cabinet, the cavity it filled has about six to eight inches of razor blades. <laughs> Fuck are we doing? So the danger is, in fact, passed from the garbage men to the plumber. <laughs> anyway, thanks for all the content. I really think you are on top of all recap shows. Well, thanks, Josh. Thank you. Sounds like you're on top of all the remodeling. Allie writes in and says, I thought the uh, whole haunted house vibe was a fun change of pace for the show. Agreed. My dad's a carpenter who specializes in restoring old homes. Is your dad, is your last name Via? Are, yes. you, Bob, are, Vila, are, you, are you Bob Vila's daughter? So I can tell you that in many cases, those razor blade disposal slots did just empty out into the wall cavity. So yes, they do come pouring out sometimes and doing renovations. Okay. <laughs> People that have, rest- <laughs> uh, okay. I, <laughs> I find this hard to believe that anything was ever designed to just shove rusty metal blades. And like, now what I do believe is there was maybe a complicated like trapdoor retrieval spring loaded system that like broke after a couple of years and then people just started doing it that way. Mm-hmm. But holy fuck was was it by design? That's like having a toilet paper disposal slot in your wall. Like yeah. what? You know, or a garbage disposal or something like wh- what the <laughs> shit or, or maybe I, just, I don't know. Or, uh-huh. What are you saying? I, I just picture the demo crew coming in with sledgehammers. <laughs> And taking one whack at the wall and just razor blades shooting across the room. With all the things you hear about construction dangers with mm-hmm. asbestos and all this other like black mold. Like, how is it that the uh, like, oh, yeah, you got to you got to watch when you bust into a wet wall, Jerry. Those razor <laughs> blades just come exploding out of there. I love it. I love it. It's like it's like the shining elevator, except for blood. It's razor blades. And then guess what? The blood. I, <laughs> yeah. I I mean, what the what were what, I don't know. Maybe, what the hell were people out of thinking? sight, out of mind, baby? I guess so. I guess so. It just goes into a magic dimension. That <laughs> we'll never have to worry problem about. Problem now. Jesus Christ! Ain't that ain't that humanity in a nutshell? Uh, I also felt that a lot of the murder house aspects of the episode were actually fairly well explained by older style homes and those types of weird, outdated architectural features. For example, I think the sliding walls were likely just pocket doors which can be an absolute bitch to open if you remove the pools on one side. That could be. Really? I've had a, I actually had a, a house with a pocket door. It was the upstairs uh, basement or upstairs basement. It's the upstairs bathroom. Uh, the, if, if you had put a conventional door in there, there wouldn't have been a place to put the shitter. Mm-hmm. So they, they hung a pocket door, um, which I thought was pretty neat. But yeah, if that thing busted out and you didn't have the, the hardware on it, then uh, it'd be, it'd be pretty, pretty dodgy. I suppose so. Uh, there were also a lot of secret passages used as servant access routes back in the day. Yeah, I can because um, uh, Seth and I, when we first moved to Cincinnati, we were looking at a house in uh, damn it. I can't remember the, the neighborhood's name, but it was like one of those old style houses. And it had a little servant staircase pack passage on the backside of the house, which would have been fucking really cool. Like because Jack was like seven or eight when mm-hmm. we were considering this house and it was just like a little tiny thing that allowed you to move up and down without being seen, you know, cause you don't want the, you, you don't, you don't want the right. down, you don't want Lord Downton to catch you, you know, moving the tea tray. He'll, he'll whip you with an extension cord. Uh, 
The fancy portraiture was maybe in the past or in part there to indicate this was an older, fancier home that would have had these types of details, but also totally primus for the razor eye paranoia. Uh, I watched the after episode with Angela Kang, the Kang corner, and she mentioned that, yeah, they were trying to suggest that like this was like an old money, multi-generational house. And these were maybe even the original occupants that had degenerated. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, pretty wild to go from uh, Thurston Howell, the third to Manimal in, in 10 years. But uh, yeah, there you go. Finally, the human sized duck work is still inexplicable. But hey, try telling Hollywood that. Yeah, I'd just be it's, worried it's, when I went through the ducks into the wall that I'd encounter like five inches of razor blades back there. Sure, a razor blade waterfall born for Yeah. Out. All right, uh, we're going to hear back from uh, the man with the amazing name, Lando Vendetta. Because my first thought when Virgil thinks Connie is hallucinating is why? Because you drugged her like you drugged Michonne, you piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Fuck this guy. The only reason I put up with him is because he was great in the leftovers. But overall, I enjoyed the episode set up and pay off the Connie's horror house was well done. I don't know why I didn't think that. Like when she started like getting things got trippy and she started hallucinating. Like, uh, I, I guess that they're clearly making Virgil do a, a heel face turn. But uh, yeah, don't don't eat his apples, guys, or anything else he forges out of the, the, the woods. Evan writes in and says, I decided a long time ago to go down with the Walking Dead ship. Uh, but it's nice to have you guys back, although I regret to inform you that there's water in the boiler room. Well, we we knew there was only one way the show could end <laughs> a mile underneath the black waters of the Atlantic. That said, I really did enjoy this episode. I have not been this creeped out watching The Walking Dead in a long time. My wife working in the next room told me that I was being too loud twice. I think the last time I was scared from an episode was when the whispers in the graveyard uh, sequence. Yeah, that was a good one, too. My biggest complaint was that the uh, rescuers came out of nowhere at the end. When last we saw them, they were going in the wrong direction. I'm down to the episode ending with a race against time, but I'd like to know where the racers are going in the right direction first. Well, I have a feeling you could thank Mr. Greg Nicotero for that, because my God, that man does not understand the passage of time mm-hmm. uh, shot composition. There's a lot, a lot of different things Geography. because you're right. I, I think, but so I don't know. Uh, let me let me defend Mr. Nicotero for a minute because I think you can make an argument that like what is more tense to see that the 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 people get closer and closer and closer to uh, reaching each other in time and are they going to make it or do you just stay with Connie and Virgil so you kind of forget that the other party is out there looking for them and it seems like it's more of a miraculous thing uh, which builds more tension which is more effective in the audience. Uh, I would argue the first, but yeah, that's not what Mr. Nicotera thinks. Yeah. I, and it seems like that's, it's, it's, uh, that's the, um, that's the most common way to build tension, you know, with, mm-hmm. with the music, you cut back and forth, the cuts get quicker and quicker. Are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? But, but that requires yeah. you to know exactly where people are so that you can tell how close they are, or how far away they are. And, it requires you to know how much time these people might have. Um, yeah, it requires a lot of logistical concern that I just don't think is there in this show in general and certainly not in his episodes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Two other quick things about the rest of the season, Evan says. First, why didn't Aaron go out with Maggie and Boston Rob stay behind? Aaron has tons of experience beyond the wire and Boston Rob is a goddamn blacksmith. Yeah. You know why those walls keep falling, Aaron? Because you sent your only blacksmith away. Yeah, you 
He thinks he's got a, a mace at the end of his fist and he can just, you know, he can hammer all day long. But that's a good point. It's it's the only point. It's the only point. They've made such a bad decision here. And yeah, if if, if Boston Rob dies, that's their only blacksmith. That's Why would anybody skill. let him go? Why would they let yeah. him go on this mission? That's insane. That'd be like, like, like letting Sadiq mount up when he was still alive. You know, there's a couple right, of feet people, right. you know, like I don't want to sound animal farm. But some skill sets are a lot, the hell of a yeah. lot more valuable than others. Some uh, of these survivors are too big to fail. You got to You got to keep them back because you need them too much. And a blacksmith in the age of cold rolled steel is super important. Yeah. Yeah. You got, you got, you got the, uh, it, it's, it's, we're in the age of hot hammered steel now and uh, you need every blacksmith you got. Yeah. I didn't even think about it, but you're totally right. You are right. Um, the writers could have gotten similar beats even uh, from even uh, from Evan. Wait, the writers could have even gotten similar beats with a swap. Both have kids at home. So the stakes for Aaron are very high. Both are relatively close with Maggie. Both dislike Negan and so on. We would not get the issues with the walls at home. But considering we don't know, uh, really know why the walls are so busted up. I did not consider that plot line a pillar to the season or, ever, uh, or anything. I wonder if. It's the guy who played like they're trying to do right by the Boston because like I it seems to me that a lot of the scripting decisions are made with an eye to giving everyone something to do. So you don't have situations where like the Jesus guy wants out of his contract because, you know, Mm -hmm. all he does is have amazing hair and spin kick every once in a while. And, you know, this guy legendarily trained and learned judo and and all this shit. And, you know, he's in the show for 60 seconds. Um Maybe in the Kang air, they're trying to, to, to pass everything around, but it, do, it, it doesn't make any kind of storytelling sense for sure. Uh, second, I think you guys are being a bit too hard on Carol for telling Aaron he shouldn't murder or torture. Don't get me wrong. My initial reaction is the same as your reaction. However, this is the only show we get feedback like this. I think, you know, I don't know why you, you told the kindly lady not to tell this guy to, not to torture and murder. Uh, however, the more I think about it, the more I think it makes sense uh, for it to come from her. For comparison, I don't think we'd roll our eyes if a convicted felon tried to convince teenagers to stay in school once he or she got out of prison. She's been there before and doesn't want him to be like her. At least that's how I'm viewing it. Yeah, yeah that I've, I've makes... Agreed. I think this is more directed at, at you because you were pretty harsh on Carol. Uh, I, th- I think I've kind of been understanding of why Carol's the one here. Because, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I think so. If I change the analogy, here's my problem. Like Hmm. if it's uh, you say a convicted felon, presumably he's been in jail for 10, 15 years. He's out. They're doing a scared straight program at school. And he's like, look, don't be like me, kids. You know, do Um, if you take that same man and it's right after the judge has sentenced him to 15 years and he's being drugged away by three uh, bailiffs saying, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm going to fucking kill all you people. Like, and you stuck a microphone and say, what do you guys say to the nation's youth? It's probably, I feel like that's closer to where Carol is. Like hmm. she is starting to have the realizations that she fucked up and all that stuff. But maybe I'm, I don't know. They certainly spent enough time. I just felt like there was one crucial conversation or something that was missing from her to be able to turn that corner in a way that I fully believed. But I think overall, overall, uh, you've probably got the right of it there, Evan. I'm, I'm uh, picturing Chad Coleman from Always Sunny trying to tell children <laughs> to like stay in school. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not Chad Coleman from The Wire, who unironically did did that. Yeah, yeah. After, after school boxing program. No. Uh, keep up the great work. We're almost done with this death march. You're right. Two episodes left. Thanks, Evan. Uh, then we get, a, we get a little break, a couple months break, and then we're back on the death march. It's weird. It's a weird death march. They're giving us three three months to recuperate. Mm-hmm. It's almost crueler to give us three months to, to to get us fattened up and ready for the death march, and then then march us again. Uh, Josh from PA, I really enjoyed episode six, and I hope you guys did as well. Uh, you know, I think I I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. We had a whole podcast about it. I honestly think it was one of my favorite episodes so far, and I f- think the season just keeps getting better. Connie has one of my top five favorite character moments of all time, or no, it has to be one of my top five, top five characters of all time. The outer perspective the show does with her makes being in the mansion with cannibals truly terrifying. Yeah. Uh, I do think that there comes a point after that, that after 12 or so years in a zombie apocalypse, people will be too far gone. But do I think they would be this far gone? People are already insane in a normal world. I believe they would. People who have convinced themselves that they are monsters uh, less likely guess. Maybe the show is trying to show us that God isn't even there anymore. Gabriel has said it. Maybe these people really were possessed. It would be interesting because I feel like the the Walking Dead has really resisted any kind of like magical thing. The closest I can think of was the miraculous survival of the tornado barn. No, oh, and okay. you know yeah. God's God sunrise rainbow or whatever that they all got out to the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course the 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 reapers now. Um. But yeah, I so here's my problem. I can think of like you, you see the like some of the the homeless mentally ill people that are on the streets of America um and like what that would look like with 10 more years of neglect and a zombie apocalypse. But the thing is is I don't think those people would survive. Yeah. Because they would just run up and scream and start punching a zombie and the zombie just eat them. And they live in highly um, populated areas typically, and that would be which are ground zeros of these locations. Yeah, very dangerous. So a whole family just choosing to go. But, but that's the thing. It's like, I don't know, because like, is this like what if the family just like three years into it, it's like, you know what? We're just going to start to be being degenerate cannibals. And they just decide to do that. Like the trash people decide to do what they did. And the whispers decide to do what they do. And the reaper like. I don't know. Is it less valid choice than that? It just feels like it's just hard to maintain, you know, like uh, just just a feral monkey civilization having like a whole family doing it at the same time. And like, how do you recruit people into that? You know, without using yeah, language and stuff. It's it's one of those things where it's like, I think it works as a short horror film and you really shouldn't think too much more about it. So what if what if that movie from like the 90s ravenous i think is the name of it what if that was like a 12-year movie i think those people would have got there ravenous what are you talking about yeah is it called ravenous it's like the i don't know he goes up into the hills i can't even think of the stars but the two pretty big stars they they to my guy the guy pierce like werewolf vampire one okay wait werewolf vampire one no no cannibal one I thought they were. I thought the whole idea was that they were. They were. They were cursed. It was some kind of Native American curse. If we're talking about ravenous, but we might be talking about something else. You're not talking about Re- revenant. No, not revenant. Yeah, if you turn into a bear and chase Leonardo DiCaprio for twelve years, <laughs> probably eat a lot of people. We should do confusing R word movie festival. We'll have yeah. ravenous, revenant. Uh, we need another one. We need another one. Um, okay. Uh, there's one other thing about this episode. When Maggie and the gang are at the root cellar and we find out they snuck out of the cellar, why didn't the show just have a cellar door on the side of the house? 
For a split second, you'd think they just teleported outside, but it's not hard to believe they just walked out of some cellar doors. I thought that's what they did. Yeah, they came out those storm doors. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. There's like, uh, I, I thought I, I, it didn't even question. It didn't even occur to me to question that because I, I thought there were some like nearby uh, cellar style storm doors. I think uh, so. Anyway, do you guys think it's possible for people to eventually turn out like the mansion ferals? And assuming Daryl and Leah will eventually get back to Alexandria, if Leah lives, what do you think will happen with the love square of Leah, Carol, Daryl, and Connie? If this is the Rosita love, is this the Rosita love quadrangle all over again? That's interesting because like I said, the leading theory in my mind for Daryl's sexuality was he is asexual. And like, then he's kind of coupled up with Connie. He's coupled up with Leah. Like what's Carol? Like what the fuck? Am I just chopped liver? I thought you didn't, you know, I thought you were gay or something, but now I'm kind of hurt that you never, you never <laughs> responded yeah. to my many, many, many advances in the early going of this show. I, I know how I know how they're going to get from here to the Daryl Carroll spinoff. They're go- it's going to be they come, they all come back right, and you've got Connie and you've got Carol and you've got uh, Leah all back at Alexandria. And then Rosita starts to fall for Daryl. And Daryl's like, nah, this is too much. I, I got to get out of here. Carol, let's mm-hmm. go. You're the, you're the uh, least. You're the one I've spurned the most. And you're the least likely to try and make a relationship out of this. Let's go. Or alternate pitch. Post-apocalyptic Charlie's Angels. Okay. Daryl's got an elite team of female killers. Car- uh, <laughs> Carol yeah. and Connie and Leah. And each episode, he gives them their orders, and then they go out, and and yeah, yeah, that's it. Daryl's angels. Love He's it. even got the wings. I know, man. Hello, <laughs> that's the pitch right there. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, all right, bat and cleanup for us as Cobra told you. He says you two have made watching The Walking Dead exponentially better. Glad to hear it. I started listening to you way back in early seasons, and you've given us fans the one-two punch that makes the experience enjoyable, whether the episode is a home run or, well, you know how bad they can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the episode this is the first time and I don't know how long if ever that I've actually felt a true horror vibe that actually made me tense and actually jump the eeriness of the unknown threat accompanied by the effective way they made me feel like I was deaf and in her shoes really brought an unexpected and fun element of the show that the show rarely exhibits yeah yeah I think that the walking dead isn't often scary in fact yeah. um, like the only really I thought the the pilot episode has some genuine horror like mm-hmm. uh, Rick when he's bare ass naked in the hospital gown like you know wandering through with like the 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 the, the matches burning his finger down those hall, dark hallways and stuff like that was really fucking creepy yeah, and scary. stairwell scene I still remember that scene and it's been 11 years it's it was like I was on pins and needles and I and I was tense um, and it's kind of cool it's kind of actually it's kind of weird that they don't have more scary episodes with zombies and shit. Mm-hmm. But like it's kind of cool that in the last year or the last few seasons, they've gotten to a little bit of that. Like, you know, we were talking about the whispers graveyard scene. I don't know if I'd call it horrific, but it was very creepy and atmospheric. I feel like they're doing more of that stuff lately. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a damn shame. There wasn't like just one Halloween episode per year, you know, just spooky. Maybe they could play with spirits. Like the idea that maybe someone is possessed or there's a ghost or it doesn't have to be a ghost, but you could do, you know, or there's a creepy zombie in a wedding dress walking in the distance and shroud and shrouded in fog or just stuff like that, you know? 
Yeah, um, I, I do appreciate the the other horror things they do too, though, like the homages to slasher films and yeah, uh, old you know uh, like Romero zombie films, things like that. Right. Uh, yeah. But yes, I also like the episodes that are just genuinely scary. Moving on, Cobra says, uh, I can't wait to learn more about the Commonwealth to answer one of my main questions about the settlement. If they have 50,000 people living there now, how do they control the spread of zombification when people are ill and die or any sudden deaths that can lead to outbreak within their walls? Yeah, that's uh, I, I thought about it. I remember um, when I used to write those survival guides, that's something I always w- would wonder about, like how would society change? Mm-hmm. In response to like people arising from the dead, like with funerary rites, like and you no longer embalm corpse corpses. You just it seems like that's what the survivors do. They give them the ceremonial stick, like you, know, you chop their brain, you're 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 done. Yeah. But like, I was envisioned that like people would sleep in homes where everyone sleeps separately. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're like lock. You know, you, you, there's like a, a lock on the door that's two way. Because zombies can't figure out locks, but like you deadbolt everybody into their bedrooms at night, and that's just the way everybody sleeps now. Because yeah, makes or sense. sleeping together is just a profound. Like that's just you're like wow, you guys are in a really fucking committed relationship. Because at any time, one of you could have a fucking brain aneurysm, and you wake up and and you're having <laughs> yeah. breakfast in bed. It's not committed. That's just <laughs> stupid. Right. Right. But yeah, we, we, we rarely see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we rarely see that. Um, so and it, even if the two adults like they don't lock them like, you know, it's like, uh, what if uh, if you're comfortable with you dying and, and changing and maybe but like, do you protect your kids or something? Right. I, I think that's been missed opportunities. Like, how do does the world deal with uh, this 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 kind of threat? In fact, we've seen like where they're like sleeping together in mass and no one's like guarding. That's the other thing. There would always be guards everywhere. Uh, patrolling and things you know yeah. if you had like 50 kids slumber partying and something you'd you'd have someone awake and, and watching the whole time to make sure nothing happens and but, better um, shows do this with their worlds right they they if you look at shows like the expanse um that mm-hmm. take place in settings that are a little bit foreign from ours um that they take into account everything about the setting they're in and use that to inform the characters' actions and the rest of the world that they make up. And The Walking Dead just doesn't seem to really do that. It's like everything's yeah, so- normal except it's the apocalypse. Right. I think that's the counterpoint to like what Steve was saying about people being relative, re- relatable. But like, I think that the missed opportunities and just continual world building, and there's been a little bit, like I, I really like the walkie-talkie mesh network that they had going on i liked mm-hmm. the you know stuff that they're messing around with in season six and seven of redirecting herds and you know when it felt like you know there, there's a couple points where the group wasn't faced with some kind of existential fucking crisis where you could kind of see how they lived and i always thought those were some of the better episodes you know just little flashes of like you know i made fun of it but the guy you know pedaling the bike to make the washing machine go around mm-hmm. stuff like that i think is really cool and gives a, a lot of texture it's just that they never seem to remember it it's like yeah. it's always like oh someone thinks of something they throw it in an episode and it doesn't continue to build and the world get richer it's just like just one isolated thing yeah so um anyway that's the final episode of the week thank you guys for everyone that uh, let us know about the razor blades the mailboxes the judases etc we actually got quite a bit more feedback than i read but it was a lot a lot of people uh, chiming in on that so appreciate uh, everyone's diligence in that regard uh, reminder if you want to send us feedback for the next episode which will be the seventh one the penultimate episode this weekend it's watching dead at baldmove.com 
Uh, send any thoughts, uh, comments, critiques, criticism, whatever. The watching dead at baldmove.com. We'll round it up and read it next week. Uh, this Sunday night around 9 p.m. when the episode drops on AMC on the East Coast, our episode for the, uh, the penultimate will drop. So it'll be there for you to enjoy. And we'll be back on Wednesday. Don't forget, we also broadcast our feedback episode live every 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern on Wednesdays. Wednesday afternoons on twitch.tv slash bald move. If you want to see us record it live, you can. If you just can't wait that extra 24 hours or, hey, you got some time at work you want to waste, check us out on twitch.tv slash bald move. All right, everybody, have a great rest of your week. We'll see you this weekend for the next episode. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. See ya.